Welcome back to Nate's Night at the Movie Podcast. Today we are going to be discussing a movie that is nostalgic for me, um, probably for a lot of you as well. Spy Kids from 2001, so the original Spy Kids movie. Now, I remember the first time I saw this movie, I would have been like five when this movie came out, so I don't remember if I saw it right when it came out or a little bit after, but I went to a drive-in movie theater to see this movie for the first time. And I remember liking it a lot as a kid. Like, I wanted to be a spy kid. And I'm sure for kind of a whole generation, it was kind of the same thing where it's like, oh, this is this is such a cool thing. It kind of was different from a lot of other things that we had at the time. So it was just a really fun and entertaining movie to watch at the time. But does it hold up today in 2022? Let's get to it. So Spy Kids was directed by Robert Rodriguez, and it stars Daryl Sabara as Junie. Now, some people might be familiar with him today as the husband of Megan Trainer. Um, that's kind of he's kind of popped back up out of nowhere just because of that on TikTok and stuff. Alexa Vega played Carmen, and now she's Alexa Pina Vega, married to Carlos Pina from Big Time Rush. So kind of similar to Daryl, she's kind of popped back up in social media and stuff because of who she's married to and also because of her talent and the stuff that she's working on. Their parents are played by Antonio Banderas and Carla Gugino. I believe that's how you say her last name. Um, also, we have some other recognizable figures of Danny Trejo, Alan Cumming, Cheech Marin, and there's some others too, but those are the main ones, I would say. Now, this film was described by the director as kind of being a combination of Willy Wonka meets James Bond for kids. So I kind of get that. I think it plays off that way very much with Floop's kind of world that he's created being like Willy Wonka. And obviously the spy aspect being like the kid James Bond thing going on. So we start this movie with some spy music but it has a latin flair which i actually really like i think it still holds up today i like the whole like i don't know what kind of guitar it is but it just has that latin style that i think is recognizable to anyone mixed with like the whole epicness of a spy movie soundtrack and that's something that's used well throughout all three films and i'm gonna say three just because the main trilogy is Carmen and Juni, and we're not going to talk about the other one because that one was just not good. They tried to reboot it. It didn't go over well. I think they're trying to reboot it again now, like they're working on it. But I just don't see it happening and being as successful as it was back in the day. So we start off with... Carla telling Carmen and Junie a bedtime story, but what they don't know is this kind of spy marriage bedtime story is actually about her and Antonio. I'm probably not going to remember the parents' character names, so I'm just going to go with that. Um, but yeah, it's this kind of epic story where Carla was supposed to kind of eliminate Antonio and she was kind of following him for a while and when she encounters him 
he is very bold and he reaches right into her bra and pulls out a picture of himself which if it wasn't there that would be very weird it's weird today that if anyone would do something like that um but then he pulls out a picture of her that he has so clearly they're from rival spy agencies and they're supposed to target each other but we see throughout this story that um, carla's telling that they fall in love and they have like kind of dates but they're dating at a distance because they're not allowed to actually be together um he proposes to her by sliding a ring box across a railing which crazy my immediate gut reaction is like expensive ring could potentially fly off a high building that is a risky move but it's slick <laughs> for a spy thing to do they get to their wedding day they get married and they're they're both being hunted by their agencies because of what the fact that they're marrying someone from the opposing agency they jump off a cliff and parachute out of there get to a boat and make their getaway now even though this is clearly obviously meant for kids and it is like kind of i mean it's a bedtime story but i i think it's so pretty good like it's a spy thing but is obviously corny cringy at parts but that's okay like i don't hold that kind of stuff against it just because you know it was made 2001 that was 21 years ago and i think for the most part like that first little section of the movie still plays well like i think kids today would like something like that like a spy movie made for them that's not too like high tech um the kids are super smart geniuses spies with karate skills that we see in a lot of tv shows today and movies so the kids are in bed and mom and dad kind of break out their spy gear um dad has this computer that like rises up out of like a normal desk and mom's like makeup is actually a keyboard for her spy stuff now how do the kids not know their parents are spies with this high tech stuff like mom literally has a chair that is on a track that goes from her desk to her husband's desk and like i kept checking for it and it's there throughout the entire scene so it's like the kids would know it's there how would they think it's normal maybe the kids aren't allowed in the office but it seems kind of strange that the kids wouldn't question it if they knew about it okay so next morning they're heading off to school junie is watching the show hosted by floop with these creepy creatures which dad questions and i kind of agree with i'm like why would anyone want to watch this it's like teletubbies but if the teletubbies were on drugs or something like they're really weird looking creatures that for some reason junie is into which i get like young boys are into kind of weird stuff sometimes but i don't see what the appeal is at all now junie is being bullied in the schoolyard and antonio gets out of the car to kind of talk to the bully when the bully's dad is also there and he's kind of like rooting his son on to bully this other kid which bad parenting alert and antonio kind of does what 
I mean, I kind of wanted him to. Like, he beats up this dad and throws him to a window and all the kids cheer and kind of swarm around him. And it's just a daydream. So he doesn't actually react to the dad cheering his son on to bully Jimmy. But at least we kind of get to see what would happen if he did what we kind of want him to do. Now, over in Floop's um, castle, he's meeting with his board to discuss their plans. Um, again, Peacemaker's dad is back. So Peacemaker's dad was in Bridge to Terabithia, which I already covered. And now he's in this, also playing a bad guy again. Clearly he has kind of a bit of a typecast toward villain roles. So this board is talking pretty casually about transforming agents into these weird creatures that are on Floop's show and then like wiping their memories. I'm surprised, honestly, like knowing where it's going with Floop and everything that it's kind of brushed aside like it's not a big deal at all. Because deep down we know that Floop is going to be somewhat of a good guy in the end, but he kind of, I guess he's kind of distracted and more focused on his TV show, even though it is a front for this like evil um, spy agency. He's just okay with them like transforming people and wiping their memories, but okay. We also see the Thumb Thumbs, which are obviously based on the name. You can probably guess if you haven't seen it. They are these like basically humans but the legs, arms, and head are all thumbs. So visual that probably most of us can distinctly remember from this movie back in the day. Now, Floop is working on these robot clones of children and I, they only make 500, but it's interesting to me that it just so happens that he does make clones of Carmen and Junie, even though at this point he doesn't know those kids. And he only makes 500. So it's like, how did they model these clones after certain kids who they aren't even aware of at the time? That part just seems like a bit of a stretch to me. Like, it isn't explained well. It makes sense why he, like, if he would meet Carmen and Junie first, or like the Peacemaker's dad would like hand him a picture of Carmen and Junie and be like, I need you to make clones of these two children, that would make sense. But in this world, it's kind of like just glazed over. I mean, this movie is for kids, so they don't expect kids to ask questions about that kind of stuff. So I'll just kind of ignore it too. Carla and Antonio are itching to get back on the spy field. So they have their kid's uncle, who isn't their real uncle, who is a spy himself, come over to watch the kids. So they hop in their car, drive off, drive off a cliff into the water and their car transforms into a submarine. But lo and behold, they are being followed by another submarine, another spy thing. And this is one thing that definitely today could be made much better because clearly this underwater stuff is just like a screen projecting and it's not as good <laughs> as a lot of things that are done today that would take place underwater. Now, the parents literally just left for their mission and they are already captured by the enemy. Like it takes literal minutes for them to be captured. So clearly the their enemies have been watching them this whole time and were aware 
So now the enemies are going to make their way to the house to get the kids. The uncle quickly has to reveal that he's not their actual uncle and that their parents are spies. And we have a classic line from Carmen that I remember <laughs> growing up. My parents can't be spies. They're not cool enough. And their fake uncle Felix re reveals all these gadgets and stuff in their getaway pod. And the kids are obviously have a lot of questions, but they go along with it. So their uncle Felix is captured and the kids make their getaway in like this racer pod speedboat thing. Um, a chase ensues and they end up turning into a submarine and the thumb thumbs, which don't have eyes. So I don't know how they're seeing this whole time. They crash all their boats into this little island thing and explode. <laughs> Again, we have the underwater projections that aren't that great. Um, we find out that the trip to the safe house is only two and a half hours, but Junie gets a lot done in a little montage where Carmen falls asleep and he makes a snack and, okay, he makes an interesting choice. There's a toilet in there, which makes sense that there'd be a toilet, but the toilet, he flushes the toilet and at the beginning of like a scene and it says now flushing your poop, which obviously poop joke was super funny when I was a kid. Um, but my question is, they're in a small space. Why would he do that to himself and his sister? <laughs> like, boy, you're in a small space. It's going to smell bad. You couldn't wait two and a half hours to get to your safe house location. Um, Junie is like the little brother that makes a lot of dumb mistakes. And I guess, I mean, this isn't supposed to be one of them, but I'm like, oh, man, why would you do that? So they arrive at the safe house and this safe house has everything. They open the cabinets, but they're empty. But then when they close the cabinet doors and open them again, there's food that magically appears. There's a microwave, which I thought was really cool as a kid where they pop the food pack in that like represents a certain food. It like zaps the food and it instantly becomes the food. And in Carmen's case, it makes McDonald's for them. Back in Floop's castle, the parents make an escape because they're only tied up by ropes and Carla has a laser on her ring, which is very cool, but it doesn't last very long because they are making their getaway. Um, they're separated for a second because the floor falls away, which is a continuous thing throughout this film, which actually is still pretty cool. I think it could be improved with today's CGI, but... I mean, this first time that this happens, the dad kind of jumps and then falls onto plexiglass. So it is supposed to be like a glass thing over top of this like giant hole. But I mean, obviously it could be done better today. They go to a VR room, which I think is very out of its time. Like 2001, having like virtual reality, that's pretty cool. I mean, nowadays, a lot a lot of people have it. It's not as cool looking. Like, you don't step into a giant pod and just kind of wander around. You look like an idiot with a giant headset on. But, hey, um, we're moving in that direction. Sure. And they fall through a trap door to onto Floop's dinner table. And he had expected them to escape. Like, this is not a surprise to him. And he's disappointed it took them as long as it did. Now he has a discussion with them. He drops them through trap doors that are attached to the chairs they're sitting at. Back at the safe house, 
OSS agents show up claiming to be working with the parents, which they were shown at the beginning communicating with the parents, but these are the bad guys. The kids don't trust them. They're looking for this brain and the kids kind of accidentally reveal conveniently where the brain is. When the agents take a, take the brain and the kids go after it with, well, Carmen goes after it with, jet, with a jetpack, steals it, and Junie gets kind of held up because there aren't any more jetpacks, but Carmen comes back for him and they make their jetpack escape, which, I mean, again, another thing that could be improved with today's technology, but it's not completely terrible. One thing that's interesting during this scene, the agent, like the head agent lady, who's trying to convince them to like go along with what they're planning, plays the like theme song from Floop's TV show backwards and shows that it's a cry for help. How would that even be allowed? Obviously, I would have questions, but the kids don't trust them, which is good. They have every right to not trust them right off the bat. Now, as they're jetpacking away, Carmen I mean, Carmen is the older sister that's blaming Junie for messing up, which she does a lot, but she's like holding on to him because he doesn't have a jetpack and she almost drops into drops him to his death. Like he falls. We almost have like a Gwen Stacy moment, but she is able to catch him just in the nick of time and they end up hiding out on like this playground amongst other kids. Now, while they're at this playground, their clone counterparts find them because the spy lady gave Carmen a little bracelet and Junie said there's probably probably a tracker in there and Carmen doesn't want to believe him but she does find out there is one and just like a classic older sibling she hates when the younger sibling is right. I feel that on a le deep level. I mean I can't say that I was wrong too much as a kid but I definitely like to be in the right. <laughs> now they while they were at home they noticed that some of their things said machete industries and stuff on it. So, and they find a picture of machete with their parents' wedding album. So they realize that, hey, this guy might know something. They go to visit him and find out he's their uncle. And Junie, which he has every reason to ask this question. He's like, are you our real uncle? Because we already have a fake one. So good question. He is their real uncle. Um, he doesn't want to go help them save his brother because they had a falling out but he is willing to help the niece and nephew to an extent. Meanwhile, back in the castle, Floop's minion is revealed to act, be the actual evil mastermind behind the cloning of the kids and planning to like take over the world a little bit, and he imprisons Floop. Now, Trejo has offered to provide a plane for the kids to go after their parents, which, as an adult, why would you give this to... A pair of kids I don't know but they make their escape in the middle of the night and because he creates spy gadgets they steal a few different things to help them they find like a mini lightsaber gum tasers and explosive bubbles so you know I really like these things because it plays into the Willy Wonka kid aspect while also making like kind of cool spy gadgets that can be used within the movie now, meanwhile, at the castle, Minion is making copies of the brain to put in the clone's head so they can act more like real children and kind of replace those real children in society. Little does he know, Carmen and Junie are on their way to the castle, and as they're on this plane, 
they are continuously fighting, like, they name-call a lot. And I have to say, I don't remember me and my sister name-calling as much. I mean, at least we weren't as creative as these two kids. Like, I'm pretty sure I stuck to the same, like, names to call my sister for the most part. But they're, like, booger breath, all kinds of things like that. I remember back in the day, butthead was common. We don't hear one of those come out, but... They arrive at the castle by swimming underwater, and um, Junie actually does something really smart. So his uncle makes these invisible cameras. They're like the tiniest cameras ever, apparently. And Junie like places them throughout the castle so they can see where their enemies are at all times, which is very smart. And Carmen recognizes it, which is great because they're finally working together a little bit better and they're able to recognize how they can help each other and be good siblings. Now, the kids, as they're making their way through the castle, they, they are spotted by some of the robot clones. But as they're trying, as Carmen and Junie are trying to get away, Carmen falls through a floor that, again, falls away like her dad did. But this time, she, it's not plexiglass. She falls right through. Meanwhile, Junie ends up in the VR room, and this gives him an opportunity to bond with Floop, who is in prison there. So things aren't looking so great for the parents. Meanwhile, Carmen lands in a pile of, like, random thumb-thumb parts, and she decides to disguise herself in, in, like, a costume to blend in better. Now, Junie uses the taser gum to free himself and floop, which I don't know exactly how that's supposed to work. Maybe it kind of shorts out the system of the VR room or something like that. I get that's kind of the vibe, I think. But uh, he, like, throws it at a giant image of Floop's face. And who knows where Floop is actually at this time because he is imprisoned in that room, but it doesn't quite make sense why Junie is like throwing it out of space. But as Junie and Floop are making their escape from the VR room, they run into Carmen and they ultimately find their parents. Now Carmen tells her mom she's been skipping school, which mom already knows about, and it sounds like she said she's visiting Belize when she skips school, which I don't know which country this is supposed to take place in, but is she going to other countries while she skips school? Like, what, like, 13-year-old does that? Even, like, the kid of spies who doesn't know that, like, how is she doing, pulling that off? I want to know. That's my big question. Now, Junie does something to trap Minion at this point. He does something throughout this whole film where he can mimic voices exactly. Like, what kind of skill is this? Now, he's not actually, like, the actor's not actually doing this. It's clearly recordings of these other actors played back. But I'm just curious as to why he has this special ability. How did this develop? Like, clearly it's useful in a spy sense, but where did it come from? And why does no one in his family question his ability to do this? Although I do get the annoying sibling, like, repeating words back because I definitely did that too. <laughs> now Floop is wondering how what he can do to stop the clone children from being evil and Carmen and Junie say quite simply like oh you just need to press a couple buttons and it'll change everything and he's like you're right I just need uh like a I forget a by numeral code or something like that and it's that simple. This is one thing that I'm like, okay, the kid just threw out random crap. I guess it works, sure. But 
it probably would have been better if Luke just came up with it himself because it doesn't make sense that the kids would suggest something that would be the solution if the adult who works with the system already has no idea. So at this point, Carmen, Junie, and their parents had been te temporarily separated, but they reunite in this giant room where like the board has gathered and the clones are coming and they're preparing to take on the clones. Now they know there's 500, so they're like 100 for each of us, but we need a fifth person. And Danny Trejo shows up and he is prepared to fight alongside his brother again. Now this is something I really like about this movie and the other movies. It's very much like a family-based situation where um, it's not just like the immediate family, it's extended family. And I really like that. I think that beyond the spy aspect, it's very sweet and it gives it some heart, even though they're in like a bad circumstance that is unrealistic. Obviously it's a kid's film, but they're fighting alongside of each other. It doesn't matter that they're different ages. They're valued for what they all bring to the table. Now, just in the nick of time and the clones are about to attack, Floop is able to reprogram them and instead they attack the board and like force them to crowd surf. Like they toss them in the air and throw them around and stuff. These, I mean, the clone kids are like super strong. And that is how they, like, it disappoints me that the family, like one thing I think would make this film a lot better for this like climactic scene is if the family did in fact fight the clone kids for a little bit. And then when they're like about to like meet their like doom, that's when they're reprogrammed rather than the clone kids are about to charge them and then they just run past them. Like I, I think we miss out on like an epic fight scene here, even though I know Carmen and Junie, the actors probably wouldn't have been able to handle something like that at this point. And it's hard to probably find stunt doubles that would have looked enough like them. Then again, also the clone children would have been children as well. So I guess it does make sense they would have to go over that. But I mean, this is a spy film. I want to see fighting. I want to see action. Now we flash forward. Floop is back on his TV show and he has changed everything around. He, the kids are being used to be like heroes all over the world and like rescue people from fires and stuff. They're also characters on his TV show. Mom has a thumb thumb helping her in the kitchen, Cortez kitchen. And they get a call from the president who is President George Clooney. Like what a get for a movie like this. I mean, I don't know how big he was at this time, but for him to be like in a family like movie like this is surprising to me. And they have this funny bit that he does throughout this film in the later films where he has this black bar covering his eyes to hide his identity. But then he removes like he with his hands removes the black bar to talk to them and then puts it back on. And that's just like a little, I guess, kid humor. But what a get for a film like this to, I mean, Antonio Banderas, Carla Gugino, Danny Trejo, like they have a lot of big names in this, but like George Clooney is like a massive, like A-lister to get into a film like this. So that's really impressive. And that's a nice like little ending to this film, even though I think it would have been better with a big action sequence. Now let's talk about the reviews. Now I thought what was interesting is the critics gave it a 93% which is probably given at the time this movie came out. So it's probably a little bit more relevant because the audience score, which people can review it to today, 20 plus years later, 
and they have a 46% for the audience, which I think is way too low. Now, people were like judging it for its CGI and some of the acting, but I think it was good for its time. Like, it's not like a phenomenal top of the line film, but as far as kids film goes, especially kids films that came out like early 2000s, this film is excellent, I think. Like the acting I think is decent for, I mean, kid actors. Some are hit or miss. And like, I mean, if you look at like the Netflix shows today and stuff, some of the kid actors are very good and some are just like, eh, like you don't really care that much about it. But I think if the audience score was only for like within a year of when this movie came out, it would be a lot higher than 46%. Personally, my score is a 7.8 out of 10. I think, you know, there's definitely room for improvement with the CGI. I agree with that. But I still think it's a good nostalgic, like, action family film. Like, I would show this to my kids one day. And I think a lot of families would find, like, if they're looking for a movie to watch with their kids, that their kids haven't seen, I mean, put this movie on. It's all about family, and it's like a James Bond for kids. And, you know, the spy agency comes into more of a thing with the spy kids in the second film. And I don't know. I might cover that one. I I really like this, the second film, too, and the third. Like, the third was in 3D when that came out, and that was like a, whoa, big deal. So we'll see about covering that because, I mean, overall, for the... Being a kid with these movies coming out, I, I was pretty happy with them. I watched them multiple times and they were all entertaining. And even today I was entertained by it. So that's my reaction to it. Now, coming up on my podcast, obviously Christmas is right around the corner. So I plan to cover multiple Christmas movies. I'll probably try to mix in other movies as well. Um, one thing I'm really excited about is... This whole year, I've kind of been like ranking the movies that have come out this year that I've seen as I see them. And I reevaluated today, but I'm hoping to film a podcast episode ranking every movie I saw this year. Not like a full review, but like just a little tidbit about what I thought about each movie. And that would be a great opportunity for us to kind of talk about it and for me to let hear your thoughts about what you thought about the movies you saw that came out this year. Because Honestly, some movies have been pretty crap, but also there have been some really excellent movies that were surprising. So thanks for tuning into my podcast and I'll catch you next time.